Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration, but it's actually a very special Mormon Media Reviews segment uh, with my co-host, Rebecca Biblioteca. How are you doing today? I'm great, Steve. How are you? Well, I'm doing great because we got ourselves a great guest on today, and we're very excited to have Gaynor Brunson come on the program, who is somebody who toured with Liberace, been on The Tonight Show, has been with all these stars, has been on Merv Griffin and all this. He's been involved in the Roseboro Parade. He's done Christmas specials for Fox. And it's just all just an incredible biography of one of just one of the big, big producer type, big shot guys that we have in the music industry. <laughs> this guy's done. Millie Vanilli did the mix of the recording for Millie Vanilli. And man, we got so many questions for you. So we decided we're going to have a really fun episode today where we talk about the entertainment aspect of your life. But also, folks, I want to mention to you that we're I'm going to have Gaynor back on because he's also doing some really, really cool things in the field of Mormon history. And so we're going to do a special Mormon book reviews type episode with Gaynor down the road. But today is our introduction uh, to the world. Uh, well, of course, well, you don't need an introduction because you, the whole world knows who you are. But Gaynor Brunson is in the house. Welcome to the show. Oh, wow. Great to be here. What an introduction. I was just so flattered. Never, I've never felt so special. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I just want to say Rebecca was really instrumental in um, reaching out to you. She's been doing a fantastic job getting us some top flight guests. And uh, so I'm like, this is Rebecca's wheelhouse. Okay. This is the world <laughs> you grew up in. This is the music you listen to. And we're going to play a special clip in a little bit that uh, you recover from a uh, YouTube. We're going to have some. We're going to we're going to do some image sharing where he Gainer's going to show us some photos of some of the people he's hobnobbed in the past. And we're we're just going to have fun and uh, and and we're looking forward to it. So Rebecca, the ball's in your court. Ask the first question. Yeah, this is exciting. I'm wearing leopard um, in honor of the fact that we're going to talk about Liberace later because you just have to, <laughs> right? So. So, welcome, Gainer. I'd like to compliment you on your green screen. It looks so yeah. professional, right? Yeah, it's how about that? But it's actually not a green screen, everybody. Show us what it is, Gainer. Hold on. Yeah, we can actually yeah. touch the stuff here. This is not a green screen. This is his <laughs> setup at his um, studio in Orem, Utah. This is absolutely amazing. At, Gaynor has been in the entertainment industry since he was eight years old as a musician. We're going to talk about that. And then as a sound engineer, producer, he's had a studio on Sunset Boulevard. He has a studio now in Orem. So there's so much that we can cover. So I would first like to ask, we're going to talk about... Hey, real quick, though. Oh, what, real what quick. We also have to say one very important thing about Gaynor is Gaynor is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of oh. Latter-day Saints. Of course, that's, that's the tie-in. Like of course, that's right. That's a given. Yeah, and and you'll get that gist when we start talking about all the artists that he's worked with, because a well, lot of these... is, you should be able to tell just by the hair, right? <laughs> <laughs> and your demeanor, absolutely. Nope, you're right. That that's a huge factor in this whole story. Absolutely. So, so Gainer was a part of an amazing trumpet band with his brothers called the Brunson Brothers decades ago. So my first question has to do with how did this happen? You and your brothers, you're little, you're running around. Tell us where you grew up and tell us the story of how you became the Brunson Brothers. Wow. Well, first of all, man, I can't believe how much you know. <laughs> We've been stalking but, you. <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So um, so basically my brother started playing the trumpet and I was like, wow, what is that instrument? It was like, it was a cornet, it was silver, like a nickel cornet. And I, you I were thought it was little, really right. You were very young. Yeah. I was probably about seven, oh, okay. close to seven or eight. And so I wanted to play that so bad. And then, um, so I started to play a little bit and then, um, my other brother started, you know, goofing off with it a little bit. And then my mom says, Hey, we need to get you guys some cornets. And so um, Brian Summerhays came over to our house to sell my mom three cornets for us. And so he had his buzz and everything. And so my mom bought him on the spot. Now, we didn't have money. We were pretty broke. And so when my dad go got home, he was freaking out. It's like he just spent all this money on these cornets. He says, we can't, I can't afford lessons. I can't afford this. And so he took him back to uh, Summerhays. That was going to be the end of it. And Brian Summer, uh, the, the owner of Summerhays, I, I, I forgot his name. 
Uh, his son is Brian. So let's see. Let's see. What was his name? I forgot his name. But he told him, he says, listen, here's, he actually, my dad actually said, listen, these cornets, you sold them as if they were new, but I don't think they're new. I think they've been used or something. So he says, well, I'll tell you what. I've got four brand new box Stradivari silver lightweight trumpets right here, never been opened. And so he pulled down four off the shelf. We had never seen a silver lightweight trumpet because in those days, trumpets were pretty much gold. And so we had, he brought these home to us. We were freaking out. So we knew it was pretty serious stuff. Because if our dad is going to make that kind of sacrifice for trumpets, we better take this serious. Anyway. So yeah, he, he told my dad, he says, I've seen your brothers, I, not, not your brother, I've seen your kids buzz. And he says, you get in these trumpets, they'll, play, they'll, they'll be playing all up and down the valley, all up and down the state. So he was a visionary. He saw yeah, he was, that you yeah. guys had the talent to become what you became. Yeah, and, it was kind and, of wild. I guess he believed in this. Now, isn't there something where your dad also sent you to like a music camp or something and at BYU? Did I, I thought I read yeah. about that. Yeah. Now, what's crazy about this is we couldn't afford the trumpets. My dad says, I can't afford it. He says, well, pay me what you can when you can. So then he took us to BYU and we took lessons from, uh, oh, I forgot the guy's name that was there. Uh, but we were taking lessons like I think six hours a day for a couple of weeks. And he just wanted to just either burn it out of us or get real. And so, uh, you know, we, we started playing for everyone that came over to the house. And so we knew this was pretty serious stuff. And so we just started to get better the more we played. So that's incredible. And then there was a point where you kind of got a big break. I, I know that you guys were trying to get your music in front of a certain star and it actually ended up written in the stars that you ended up being picked up by. Tell us a little bit about that in, in okay. Vegas, trying to give your CD. Yeah. To... yeah. So the Vegas story. So we went to Vegas. And we were broke. We had no place to live. We had no money. And the thing that is, you know, when you think you don't have money, you can ask your parents for money. Our parents didn't have money. So, so we're down there in this, you know, kind of beat up station wagon. And we found a member of the ward, member of the church. Not, you know, of course, that wasn't our ward. So he put us up in an office building. And, uh, and so we wanted, to, we wanted to, you know, get into Vegas somehow or get in the show. We wanted to front act. We actually wanted to perform with Liberace. We heard that maybe he had an act that went with him. So we went over there to the MGM Grand where Liberace was. We tried to get our tape backstage. No, no, actually, no, no. You know, I'm messing this up. It was Andy Gibb. This is what I happened. thought it might have been Gibb. Andy Gibb, one of my yeah. personal idols as a oh, young that's teen. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, you're gonna you're gonna set me straight on these stories. That's it. So we wanted to see if we couldn't get in with Andy Gibb. So we sent a tape to the security guard to give to Andy Gibb. Well, when Andy Gibb left, um, Liberace came in, and uh, and his 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 assistant, um, he basically found the tape and he played it for Liberace in the in the limousine, and so it's just kind of wild because um, we get a call from. Uh, Liberace's manager and he says hey uh, anyway Liberace wants you to, to do his tour and we're like well he hasn't heard us play live <laughs> you know and so we hadn't even played live so uh, it was just kind of a wild story how we finally ended up getting to play live for him but he booked us for the whole uh, full, for the full year tour and 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 uh, about that time we managed to get in as a front act with the Legends in Concert there in Vegas so we we're able to stay in Vegas in a hotel but as soon as we got the gig with Liberace then we just basically ran out of Vegas and came back to Utah until the tour started. So that okay, is incredible. So, so you arrive in Vegas in a station wagon and you leave with a contract <laughs> to spend a year with I mean that you can't make this stuff up. That is I know that, that was that was pretty wild. Okay, that well is incredible. I, I just I guess this is where we start asking now I, and we're gonna play a segment in a little bit here. Yeah we gotta uh, show the clip. And it's it's great. But I guess since we're on the top of Liberace, you toured with Tim Liberace. What kind of guy was he? Uh, he was he was great. And I, of course, there was the whole thing going on, you know, about starting to break out that he was gay, whatever. But we just we didn't pay attention to that. It's like, hey, to us, he's not gay. He's just I mean, he's a regular guy. And he was really nice to us, really respectful. And um, and there, there, there's quite a story because uh, before we toured a thing, like I say, we wanted to play for him. So we actually went over to the Tivoli Gardens uh, restaurant that he had there in Vegas. And he was there with Shorty McLean sitting down having dinner. And we popped in and we says, hey, Liberace, how you doing? And he actually, you know, 
He ended the conversation with her and spent time with us. Went over to the table with us. And we sat around talking to him. And we says, we want to play our trumpets for you. And so, so we got up and we actually played our trumpets for him. And uh, he said that it gave him a really good feeling when he heard us play. He says, it, just, it makes you, he, I think the words were, it gave him a happy feeling. So anyway, so I think this picture here is when we were at the uh, Tivoli Gardens restaurant. If you want to, let's see, how do I share this uh, picture? Okay, so just uh, just do the share screen. Oh yeah, that's right, we went through yeah, this. it's pulled yeah. up. Okay, let's see, share screen, okay. So this might've been uh, when we were at the, Oh. and I'll enlarge it here. <laughs> okay, so Look this might've been there. We, we were just getting to know him. And uh, here, let me show you another picture. So that's how we're on the subject of Liberace. Let me see if I can find it. Just incredible. And how old were you and your brothers at that time? Um, I just pretty much got off my mission not too long ago. Oh, by the way, okay. these, can you so see like, these pictures? Early yeah. 20. <clears throat> see those records right there? Uh -huh. Those are boxes of albums that we had made because Liberace would announce our records in the show. We would go out and sell our records. And those are the records that we would take with us on tour. We outsold Liberace. <laughs> <laughs> and so he took half the money from our records. If he would have just given us all, let us keep the money from our records, we would have made a lot more money. Wow. So anyway, so he let us sell our records. He was promoting us, which is kind of cool. Okay, let me just go to another picture here. Um, okay, the picture I'm trying to find. That is just incredible. Well, when you get an endorsement from Liberace, you, you can't help but be successful and sell your product. That's, oh my goodness. <laughs> this one. Okay, so yeah, so it, it was it was a lot of fun. He was great. He was really kind to us. He treated us really good. And it was first class all the way. And uh, the way he talked us up in the show and all that kind of stuff. So the only thing is, okay, let me just tell you about this picture really quick. So this is his uh, 65th birthday party. And that, uh, I have the only picture of him blowing out the candles. <laughs> anyway, wow. so, so um, the only thing is, is we would play Flight of the Bumblebee before, that would be our last number before he'd come out. Uh -huh. And we'd, we'd start to get a standing ovation. And he didn't like that. So he cut our Flight of the Bumblebee. <laughs> oh. Now your opening act can't overshadow the real act. We yeah, all know so that. He, when it he, he never tried, so he just cut that number like no that's our best number <laughs> so anyway uh, well, well that is we're... the clip we have steve so okay so why don't you exit out of screen here. share and we're gonna do flight of the yep. oh wow just to give everyone an idea of what the brunson brothers were and then we'll talk oh, about all the places they played and all the things they did oh my gosh just amazing okay so guys... you guys see it yep we can see yeah. it Okay, great, great, okay. So I have a few questions while we're first of all this is really cool i love the clothes it's great i love it this is hilarious. Pants. i've got to know <laughs> and, and so i just i want to ask you where was this was this filmed on a tv program or something or what what where did this clip come from do you remember yeah i, I think this might have been san diego this i think this was uh because we were we were playing uh halftime at the uh holiday bowl uh when boe's playing or someone was playing 
And so we went over, they wanted to interview us at the station. I think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, that's great. I can see why they would give you a standing ovation that Liberace wouldn't be too happy with. Oh, you're so kind. Well, thank you, you. Appreciate you that. Play? I mean, do you, could, could you still do that? Um, you know, probably. I bet you could. I bet you could. You're so musical. That Should we see? Should we see? Should I go grab my Trevor really quick? Go grab your sure, Trevor. Why not? Let's do that. Let's have some fun. Am I putting myself on the spot or what? This is great. This is great. No, no this could be the beginning of Brunson Brothers 2. Bring back the band. Absolutely. So this is, you know, this is so cool. So folks, I'm going to leave a link in the description. So if you want to watch the whole video, uh, it will be in there. So um, we're going to have fun today. And this is, uh, this is great. So but, but Rebecca, this is really cool stuff. And this is a trip down memory lane for you. No, it really is. And, and I'll tell you how I connected um, with uh, Gaynor is that uh, my husband and I sang in the Deborah Bonner Unity Gospel Choir, which is an LDS black gospel choir. My husband is still in the choir and Gaynor's studio is where we would record a lot of things. So both of us met Gaynor uh, through that. And my husband, Tom, is the one that said, you know what? He would be an awesome guest on Steve's show if we're going to deal with, you know, music and film <laughs> and series and podcasts and everything. So he kind of set up the introduction. But yeah, we did a one that I remember is a Christmas uh a Christmas video with the with the Deborah Bonner Unity Gospel Choir at the studio, and so we'll talk about his studio yeah, later. Joy to the world, amazing. right? Joy to the world. Yeah, it was Joy to the world. Absolutely, yeah. I have yeah. that clip. Maybe we'll have to play it. So yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. It looks like Gainer has cool. his trumpet. Oh my goodness! Here we go. If you still have the chops, man. <laughs> well, you know what? I really don't have the chops. And I haven't touched my trumpet today, so let's just see what comes out. All right. <laughs> it's a first on Steve's show. <laughs> Oh boy. Ah! Hey, I Good got start. a note. Good start. <laughs> ah! Is it too loud or is it? Is it no, no, we can hear it. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so now you're on tour with Liberace, and then that kind of launched you guys. You played for just dozens and dozens of programs and people that we would know, and just paint some of the highlights of what you. I mean, you were everywhere. You were doing everything. Yeah, we did. We did a lot of lot of fun things, and uh, so the, the manager of Liberace said, "If you guys were serious about your career, you'd move to L.A." So he says, "Okay, we're moving to L.A." And so we moved to LA, we started doing all this television. We were on over 30 national TV shows. And so, and we weren't really ready for it because we didn't really feel like we had our music down. It was like, you know, where we wanted to really promote it. We were just doing these songs we'd been doing for years, but these TV people were calling us up to be on and, you know, we, we didn't want to turn them down. So, yeah, so it was, it was a lot of fun. And meanwhile, we were wanting to get some recordings done that we were happy with. As a matter of fact, we bumped into Kenny G and he says, you guys have had enough television to promote five albums. <laughs> so, so yeah, so we started, we, we did the Tonight Show, we did the Merck Griffin Show, we did the Disney special, we did the NBC Christmas special with President Reagan. And uh, we, we put a Christmas medley together and, and they wanted us on that. So, and then we started doing all these uh uh, halftime shows, these ball games and different things. So yeah, it was, it was quite, quite a time. And, and it, you actually created um, a musical element for the Rose Parade. Is that what I'm Yeah. Thinking? As a matter of fact, the guy that does the, the guy that does the international broadcast, cause we, we, we performed for the whole Rose uh, Parade, uh, you know, all, you know, the, the, the board and everything, they get together. So we performed for that. And the guy says, if you guys could do a theme for the international broadcast, that'd be great. So, we put together a theme. He liked it. And so he used it for the international broadcast. 90 million people. So that's a fan base right there. Yeah. So, and another thing I came across about the Brunson brothers is that there's actually a technique, a trumpet playing technique called to Brunson it. Can you talk a little <laughs> bit about that? Like you guys did something that other trumpet players in the industry were not doing and other people noticed well, and went. Okay, we got a Brunson it. Talk about that. 
Well, yeah, so you're referring to that story. Rick Baptist, like, you know, one of the top studio uh, session guys in L.A., um, every, every, you know, we, we were performing every once in a while, we'd do the t- telethons. And so this year we are doing the Easter Seals telethons. And of course, these musicians are amazing. They had the top trumpet guys. And so we would do this uh, little, little, like, here, let's see if I can do it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, a little bit of a little bit of a trill at the end like of that. Like an extra beat, kind of. Uh, you know. a, little, a punch. Yep. Yeah. And so the band, the trumpet players started doing it too. We we're performing with them. They started, they started copying us. It was so funny. So we we're having this little duel with those guys in the band, and we thought that was the end of it. But then, you know, of course, he says that they actually, it actually went around town. They called that a Brunson. You know, that little thing that we did at the end. So when they were doing that one movie, he said, what was it? The Incredibles? The Incredibles. Is what, yeah. Which I yeah. went and listened to that theme after I watched the video about that. And it's there. It's just that little, <laughs> just, just that extra little beat, you know, that adds that punch to it. So yeah. So he, he said they were looking for something and he looked at the other guys and says, okay, you guys, let's do a Brunson. And they did it and it seemed to work. And, you know, we had no idea that that was a thing anyway. <laughs> wow. You started a trumpet movement. You toured with Liberace. <laughs> this is incredible. Can you tell us then how this turned into a studio that you could, because not only is Gaynor a performer, he is a sound engineer and incredible. And that's how, you know, like I said, I interacted with him with the part of the choir and him, he, inter- oh. you know, engineering all of our, our music that we did. So tell right. us how your studio on Sunset Boulevard all that that's just amazing yeah well but going to a studio and we'd spend like a ton of money and our trumpets would sound like kazoos because we were really loud even when we were on the tonight show um we get out there and we'd say you know we told him hey we're really loud he says well these are the same mics we're using for the trumpet players in the band it's like we're a little bit louder and they laughed at us and the guys came down and says you're right you're distorting the microphones we need to get you a new microphone so we didn't even have much of a chance to sound check the new microphones so we weren't too happy at how we were being recorded so we started doing our own recordings and that's what, you know, that's what got us started. We were doing our recordings ever since we were kids because our dad had a sound company. So we managed to get into some gear. And so we'd always, as a matter of fact, don't tell anyone, but we, we would record our trumpets over Herb Alpert and Timon Brass and then we'd sell those tapes. <laughs> so so yeah. we were always, you know, trying to figure out a way to get our stuff recorded. And so we ended up getting some equipment in our house and then we ended up with the studio on Sunset Boulevard, a major studio there. So... What was wow. the studio called? It was called Baby O Studio. So it became uh, Brunson Brothers Baby O Studios. Baby O Studio. So, yeah. So then I, we, oh, what was that? Well, I wanted to ask, this is really great stuff, but you had mentioned early on in the conversation that um, you did too much too early. You were on all these TV shows and you're young guys. Maybe <laughs> kind of talk about that aspect of it too, that 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 you felt like you did too much uh, too quickly yeah because we we were playing the same songs for so many years and we wanted to get a full album done then we wanted to do the television to promote the album and we weren't we we didn't really feel like that that <clears throat> the quality of the recordings that we had was you know where we wanted it to be so we actually got into a studio and we were just working on the music so we actually just started turning down television it's like no we want to we want to get you know our sound going because i hate to say this but when we were on The Tonight Show, <laughs> um, we, we did have a great arrangement of Fire the Bombly. We had Alan Zavod, who uh, toured with Frank Zappa, <clears throat> and he conducted a Melbourne, Melbourne Symphony in Australia. He stayed with us for two weeks, worked on an arrangement. We go over to The Tonight Show band. He rehearses the band. They sounded so amazing with this arrangement. He was telling them what to do. They sound so tight. The band gave us a standing ovation. We were excited. It was just going to be like so intense. And then Doc Severinsen wouldn't let us play it. And so anyway. <laughs> I no, wonder just a... why. <laughs> I mean, it's just, and then so they had us play in the mood. So all the TV that we did, no, no, they didn't have, they had us play well until Overture. And then when we get on the Merv Griffin show, we get ready to play uh, Flight of the Bombay with the band. And they start the temple too slow. We're going, no, this needs to be fast paced. And so all these television experiences, we're just like, come on. We don't really get the chance to, you know, showcase like we'd like to. So we wanted to just get into the studio and just really come up and, you know, the sound that we wanted. 
And so uh, that was about, you know, so in answer to your question, when we felt like it was a little bit too much too soon. Yeah, we just kind of wanted to put everything on pause and just work on our sound. So. And how old were you, uh, were you and your brothers when this all, when you, this all happened? It was just, it was just right after my mission, as a matter of fact. So I got off my mission and then next thing you know, we're, you know, touring with Liberace, moving to LA and doing all this TV and stuff. So. Then the hair started to grow out for some yeah. weird reason. I was going to say, you didn't look like you had the missionary haircut in a lot of those. And probably yeah, not the started... leather pants, right? That's not. Yeah, yeah, the leather pants. I mean, we didn't have anyone telling us how to dress. We did everything ourselves. We didn't have a, you know, we didn't really have a manager and someone that could, you know, costume design or anything. We're just kind of, you know, a little whacked out. Are you the youngest brother or are there older brothers or? Yeah, I'm the youngest. So You're this the is the oldest. Yeah. Okay. So, so. And so your parents, your parents were very supportive, but let you just go. Mom, dad, we're going to Vegas. Is that? Yeah. Well, yeah, they were just like, and we, we would, we would take off to do fairs across the country in the cold and everything. And, and where it was like the, it, the as a matter of fact, they had the national guard out on the highways because they were closed. We were just taking our motor home uh, in the, the snow was covering the roads. We would just, we were just going for it. So yeah, they pretty much let us do our thing ever since, you know, ever since the beginning pretty much <laughs> that's amazing can you tell us more about the artists that were um recording with you in your studio on sunset boulevard i heard in particular steve mentioned it millie vanilli you mixed that yeah so we had we were one of the first ones to go digital in hollywood and we we were so into digital and of course everyone was analog we were having this big battle but we we actually were the first ones to really get into the digital thing that we know of. And then, then we, we, we went ahead and we, we wanted our studio to be a fully digital studio. And we had a hard disk system. It was about a 200,000 hour system. And then we also had a digital tape. And so um, we were just trying to really get, you know, evolved into that whole digital world. And so we took on that studio and we had um, Strunz and Farah, they're world music artists. They, their song went to number one in world music charts for nine weeks. And then we had Millie Vanilli come in. Now, the thing of it is, is on the Grammy Awards, you, they don't allow you to lip sync it. And as we know, Millie Vanilli didn't really sing on the project. So they wanted to use our Sinclair system to get the mix down, take that system into the Grammys and use it for their backup because they don't they don't let you give them a tape or whatever. So you'd actually be doing this from this computerized keyboard system with all the tracks on it. So it was a way to fake out the Grammys. So we were <laughs> we were the culprits that, that, that they used to mix down all their tracks into that system that they could take on the Grammy show. And then so we had all their tracks. We had all their background tracks. And so when it came out that they had actually lip synced the Grammys, we went ahead and used their tracks and we did a cartoon character voice on Girl, you know, we, we called it the Millie Vanilli audition. We had Bugs Bunny, we had Elmer Fudd. And <laughs> we, we gave that to a local radio station that started to get some airplay. And then we realized, wait a second, we could be sued for this. <laughs> so so we told it. That. So you, you and your brothers, your studio, you knew before the rest of the world that maybe Millie Vanilli was not exactly. Yeah, yeah they were, they were, yeah, they were all in there going, oh yeah, they were, you know, they were joking about how Millie Vanilli, they were 6,000 miles away when that was done. So. Steve, you have the most interesting guests. I just have to say. Like... <laughs> this is fantastic. Oh my goodness. There's so, so many places I want to go here. And this is, I mean, oh. so. Uh, how long did you guys have the studio um, and, and what, what years was it operational? So we had this in the in the uh, middle, mid 80s and it was operational for a little bit. We, we basically got it for us to do our own stuff in. And that's what we were doing. We were trying to get the thing of it is, is we were working on I was working on rewiring it. We had a V 3 console. We were working on getting the digital gear together, working on the music while we're just trying to get it all geared up. You know, just to admit this, you know, I think we went a little overboard <laughs> on trying to have the pristine studio. So in that in that process, it kind of like. <laughs> so and then we, you know, back then, I mean, our overhead was about thirty thousand dollars a month. And so we had to have artists come in. I kissed Paul Stanley wanted to come in. And he says they had there was a pool hall down below our studio. And Paul Stanley came up with this with his manager, Bob Ezra. And he says, hey, we want to do our album here. 
And he says, well, we don't allow drugs or anything. He says, well, hey, we don't do drugs. We're really serious about it. And then also Billy Preston wanted to come in and record and all that kind of stuff. But the thing of it is, it's like, well, you know, <clears throat> we had the studio for us to do our stuff. And then not only that, but there was a studio crunch going on where they weren't letting people uh, people weren't weren't really recording in studios. They were doing behind the console, you know, more of a, a production that you could actually do in your house. You know, the 80s music kind of a thing. You didn't really do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, full on bands kind of stuff. So studios were going under and we were one of those that were just kind of having a tough time. And then not only that, there was a little bit of a design flaw in the need consoles. And we wanted them to fix that. So we got a little bit of a lawsuit because we wanted completely pristine digital clean and in that process of the lawsuit um anyway we kind of got sidetracked on the lawsuit and everything so and then things just kind of like <laughs> interesting so, i just I, I just have to say one thing yeah because i i have buddies who have a very a pretty popular rock and roll podcast called pod of thunder and it originally started as a kiss. Uh, they 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 are the only podcast that has done every single. Uh, they do breakdowns of songs. That's what they do. They spend an hour and a half breaking down a song and playing it. They're the only oh, ones that have done wow. every single kiss song. They've and done every single kiss song. song. Oh and now God. they moved on to. Uh, now they're moving on to doing other albums and other rock and roll things. Uh, I'm just saying, uh, Pot of Thunder out there. I think I found a guest for you because I think you guys are want to get your hands wow. on this. Song. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going to pass you along to Pot of Thunder. Yeah. You're going to have a blast with my, my homies over there. I'm just putting in a plug. All right, Rebecca, what do you have to say? Oh my gosh, this just well, gets better and better. So is this the point then, Gainer, when you guys return to Utah? Because then this is huge. That's when you start working with all of these LDS artists and so many. Is that the point then? Tell us how you go from Sunset Boulevard to your amazing studio here. Yeah, so so basically we got involved in that last year. Just, just to mention, KISS wanted to go analog and we just turned completely digital because they were saying, we want that dirty analog sound. And we're like, we don't want to wheel out our digital gear because we had like, we had analog gear, and we're like we just can't put our digital gear to the side. So and then it wasn't too long after that, of course everyone was recording digital, and we had that technology they could have started there with us, but they were a little bit kind of, you know, should I say brainwashed? A lot of people were brainwashed. Analog was better anyway. So we were in the digital analog battle for all these years. But anyway, so basically we kind of stopped performing and we just wanted, we were kind of frustrated. So we kind of like split up. We're doing our own thing. Then I came, uh, we came here to Utah. We were doing a little bit of playing here and there. And then I, and I went ahead and, you know, I stayed in the studio side of things, the studio business, because I, I love the power and control you have when you can just you know, control these knobs and you can do the music how you want it to sound. Oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a control thing with engineers. Let's just admit it. <laughs> so you had a lot to do. You interacted with the Osmonds a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so about, I know that everyone's interested in that because they are just, yeah. you know, they're the royalty of, of LDS. Uh, you oh, know, okay. And, you well, know, hey, let's go on a tour here. I want to show you something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, here, check this out on the Let's wall. A tour. That? <laughs> Look at that. It's a gold DVD. So, hey, there we go. There's, there's, so basically that was done. I did all the audio for the uh, Osmonds uh, PBS 50th anniversary special. <clears throat> So I did, I, I recorded it, did the pre-production, and then I did all the final audio. And that was a that was a big hit on PBS National and, and in the UK. So and so I've been working with them all these years. And uh, and I think I'm the last one to have all of the Osmond brothers together at the same time in the ISO room uh, on their on their last project. So I had Wayne, Alan, Merrill, and Jay all together. And Jay took a picture of it, but I'm like, Jay, I want a copy of that. You know, I want to get that pitch because that'd be kind of cool. But I really think I am the last one that had all four brothers in the studio in the ice room at the same time. So I, I helped them with their vocals on their last album. And that, that was, was their last album altogether. Time. Just just the yeah. original brothers. So. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Yep, that they, that they sold in the UK. And did you work with uh, Donnie Marie and Marie <clears throat> then? Because then that was a little... Um, so, yeah, so as a matter of fact, with the PBS special, of course, I was uh, helping out with the tracks and I spent a lot of time at Donnie's house getting all those tracks in there. 
And you want to hear a funny story? You guys want to hear funny stories? Okay. So we want to hear all the insights. Do we want to hear? We want to hear the inside scoop. Okay. So when they're taping the show down there in Vegas, so I set up a studio backstage, and uh, Donnie lost his voice on the first show. And he, well, he, not completely. And he goes, Gainer, can you take my performance from yesterday and bring it up into today's track so that I can lip sync it today? <laughs> Don't tell anyone I said that. Did he say, because I so, heard what you did for Millie Vanilli. So I know you can do <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. So anyway, so I went ahead. It was a lot of fancy work because I had to fly it in from there. Anyway, so I, I was I was recording all of the tracks, plus I was, um, I had my trumpet, I was on stage with those guys with my trumpet. As a matter of fact, I played my trumpet, uh, I, I was Marie's uh, Bugle Boy in that show. Anyway, <laughs> so go go pull that show up, the PBS 50th anniversary there. Wow. You're gonna have to include so many links when you post this. Uh, yeah, I know. You... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I just think this is a really, really fantastic and fun, you know, and I just, I just want to maybe, maybe tell us some, uh, some favorite stories you like to tell about maybe interactions you've had with various celebrities, um, funny stories, or just kind of interesting observations you've made. And also maybe people that have been in your life who've actually had a really positive impact on you as well. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what, you know, I, I wasn't able to get these uh, uh, pictures on my laptop, but I have them on the wall. Okay, so can you see that picture? All right, to the wall. There you go. Well, there's Ronald President Reagan. Reagan. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. You know what? You know what my brother Darren did? He asked President Reagan, Reagan, if he had a business card. <laughs> okay. Wait. So did then here's, he? What was, what was that? Yeah. He's like, he's like, oh, no, sorry, I don't have a business card. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. It's like we might want to hire you sometime. Want to get in contact with you. Anyway, so yeah, there's a story behind each one of these. Um, this this is a pretty cool. Let's see, which one is that? Can you guys see that all right? Uh, Neil Diamond? Is that? Oh, yeah, yeah, Neil Diamond. Yep. So that was pretty cool because uh, he told us that, he said, you know, your music is my kind of music. He actually sat there as we were performing and it, it, was, it was a big celebrity event. You want to hear the weirdest thing ever? We were performing the celebrity event everyone freaking took off as soon as we started playing and he sat there at the table and he was by himself it was just weird as soon as we started playing they all just freaking ran it was almost like they ran for their lives it's the weirdest thing and then uh people were saying stop playing stop playing and Neil Diamond uh, stuck around and just sat there and listened to us perform he was the only one there <laughs> at the table by himself <laughs> Anyway, so he was a great. concert for Neil Diamond. That's something. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could call it that. You know what's great about that is Donnie was was on our side going, no, these guys are hired to play. They're going to play. So they were, So he was, you know, he was there too. It's kind of sticking up for us. So let's see if you recognize these people. Any of these. See, there's Christy McNichol. Oh, that um, is Christy McNichol. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. My idols when I was a young teen. Oh, was she really? Yeah, she, no, I loved her. I wanted to have my hair like her. I couldn't quite do it because my parents wouldn't let me get a curling iron. So I'd try all these. Oh, really? I love the way she looked. I wanted to have that hair. Oh, well, that was that was actually when we were touring with Liberace. That was backstage. So she was she knew Liberace somehow. So and then check out this picture. You recognize these guys? Oh, let's see. Wait a second. These guys here. Where are we looking? Is that? Is oh, wait that... a second. That's not looking too good, is it? There we go. Is that better? Oh, Suzanne Summers and Barry Manilow. Yeah. Yeah, that's who I, oh my God. Yeah, you want to know something that's funny about that? <clears throat> no one knew that Barry Manilow was in the shop. He snuck in. He was, he photobombed it. I knew he was because he was right next to me. So afterwards, it's like, you know, Barry Manilow came and stuck his head in that shot. <laughs> and of course, we have Barbara Bach. We have, oh yeah, here's, here's uh, Bob Hope. Is that, can you see that all right? Yeah. yeah. Is that at a sort of a USO type situation show or? Uh... No, you, you know what that was? That was at a monument that they're unveiling there in Burbank oh. uh, for Bob Hope. Now, as well as we're there getting ready for Bob Hope, waiting for the limousine to come in. He drives himself in this old modest car. He just pulls up and gets out casually. It was the funniest thing to see that. 
you know like, he, he lived really old. close to there <laughs> it was just it was just kind of hilarious and then of course here's here's a shot with us with uh Liberace when he was bowing to us and we were bowing to him oh, and then we have uh our link letter yeah. that was pretty cool oh hey how about uh can you see this one all right yeah we'll just put the name so we can see the name on there yeah yeah that's steven spielberg oh okay. steven spielberg oh. <laughs> so we were performing that was taken on the bridge over the hollywood freeway because hannah barbera was combining with universal studios and so we were we were performing and we play really loud and steven spielberg was right in front of us and so we blasted him he must have been in pain because uh, now here, let, let me show you guys something that's kind of interesting because this, do you, do you see this magazine right here? Let's see, where is it? Right there? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So that has us coming out of the door behind Johnny Carson and playing Happy Birthday. So you want to he hear that story? That's kind of yeah. a wild story. Okay. So check this out. So NBC wanted us to play Happy Birthday for Joan Rivers. At, it was going to be her birthday, so they wanted us to surprise her. So they sent a limousine over to pick us up. And, okay, and before that happened, um, I we bumped into Mary Hart. And we says, hey, we're going to be playing you know, Entertainment Tonight, Mary Hart. So we said, we're going to be playing Happy Birthday for Joan Rivers. Why don't you get the camera crews there and put on Entertainment Tonight? And so she says, sure. So we show up. NBC has us get in a limousine, go to Joan Rivers' house, and... The Entertainment Tonight crew is there. So they're ready to videotape this. So we go through the gate and and uh, we play Happy Birthday and the window opens, but uh, Joan wouldn't show her face. She wouldn't come out. And so her husband, Edgar, who is also her manager, he comes out. He says, listen, crews have to leave or she's not going to come out. So he made Entertainment Tonight leave. And then uh, Joan came down and she was all really nice and everything. And then she wanted us to play Happy Birthday on the Tonight Show for the producer of the Tonight Show. So we, and then play a number. And that's when we rehearsed uh, uh, Flight of the Bumblebee and we were getting all ready for Joan Rivers because we were going to play Happy Birthday for the producer then play a song, you know? And then what happened is, and we were in TV Guide for this. And what happened like a week before, we get a call from the Tonight Show saying, hey, we want you guys to come down here and play Happy Birthday for Johnny. We're like, but we're we're gonna be playing Happy Birthday for John. It's like, forget that. <laughs> Come on down now. It's like now. <laughs> now is this so, this was this when Joan Rivers was the occasional uh, backup host yeah. for Johnny Carson. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, she was she was an occasional host of the Tonight Show. Yeah. So we went ahead. We we didn't know what to wear, but luckily we had put our suits in the dry cleaners, and they had just been done. We called them up, and they had finished them. So we grabbed our suits. Ran over to NBC and we get there and they tell us, okay, these th these doors are going to open up and you're going to be right behind Johnny. You're going to blast him with happy birthday. <laughs> and so that's what we did. It's just, it was just kind of wild to be back there in the dark room and all of a sudden the doors open. And here we are in front of the world, you know, national TV playing happy birthday for Johnny. <laughs> and just a moment's notice. Like you pick up yeah. the phone, Johnny moments. wants you now and you've yeah. got to go. So we had a friend that 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 you know she came over that night to hang out with us she didn't know we'd been on the tonight show so we go, hey let's watch the tonight show tonight <laughs> so we turn it on and then all of a sudden we come out there and she's just like what's going on what's going on? what's happening here anyway i thought that was funny <laughs> but then then johnny had us perform uh again so basically and then we were on as a rerun so basically we've been on the tonight show like three times so <laughs> great you know anyway that so, that's that's amazing this world that you i mean you think about it, you're just kids it just gets out of uh as a missionary i know you're, it's you're, just you're, you're from a dirt poor family yeah exactly and, i mean talk about a, just a i mean what a wonderful story just a life story that you had i mean it's a real you, you must feel really grateful for the life you've had Oh, yeah, because, I mean, we're thinking we're from Utah with these Mormon kids, you know, return missionaries going to L.A. It's going to eat us up and spit us out. But it was, you know, like they're going to be totally mm, like we don't like you at all. But they embraced us. It's like it was amazing. We were on a Dick Clark pilot. Whenever you do a pilot, you want your, you know, your best foot forward. 
And so he put us on the party. So they really treated us great there in LA, all these big producers. And then Smith and Hemian that were producing the NBC Christmas special wanting, wanting us on that show. And here we are, we weren't really that known. And uh, so, yeah, it was just amazing that the red carpet rolled out for us there on all this TV and everything in there in LA, so. <laughs> you know, and I think it probably helps too um, that you had your family unit, you had your brothers, you all looked yeah. out for each other and you're the younger brother. Yeah. So it, it seems to me that because you had a really close knit family, that that was really helpful to kind of keep you, keep you guys kind of centered and not go one way or another, yeah. or maybe, maybe have, yeah. have affect your faith as well, you know? Yeah. You know, and then, and then, yeah, that, very true. Cause we were, you know, keeping each other in check and we had this goal together and even Liberace would tell people he would talk about us. He says, now you, you stay away from them. You know, he kind of watched over us too. So it was, it was just really cool. You know, we just got to see the good side of Hollywood, you know, <laughs> all these people. You rarely great. hear about the good side. So that, that's very inspiring. I mean, and then we, and then we became friends with Pee Wee Herman. He was, he was really kind to us and, and we would do stuff with him. And then, um, and then uh, Elvira, all these different people. They were just so cool. You get to, you get to see a side of them that, of course, the industry doesn't really see. You get to see they're human, just you know, people like the rest of us. That uh, and good people, so many good people. Mm. Have so. you ever thought of writing a memoir? I mean, I know we've just touched the the tip of what you you know. We barely probably scratched the surface of what you oh man know and who you interacted with. I'm thinking <laughs> you might want to put that on your list of things to do. <laughs> well, you're too kind. That's great. I, I just haven't really felt anyone would be that interested. I mean, on my Facebook page, I I, I post things every so often because I I start thinking of these stories and going, man, I want to tell this story so at least we have it out there somewhere, <laughs> you know. So. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a point of view that, you know, other people don't have. These stories, I've never heard any of these stories before. I'm sure a oh. lot of people haven't. And they're absolutely fascinating. So can you tell us a little bit about what you are working on currently in your studio? Who are you uh, producing for? Who are you seeing? Besides the Deborah Bonner Unity Gospel Choir, because I know you guys are very okay. connected, which is awesome. But what else have you done? Or maybe something yeah. to the church? I know you do some things like that as far as producing. Well, some well you're right. I mean, I mean, Deborah Bonner is amazing. And you guys are amazing. I mean, let's just face it. This was your home, right? This was this yeah. is where you guys would do your thing out there, you know, the, the room. And a lot stage. of late nights recording in there, I'll tell you. <laughs> and and that was awesome. What a choir. And then uh, that joy to the world, you guys were talking about, but, you know, letting people see that. But uh, what an incredible thing. It's like Deborah Bonner. How did she end up? How did your family end up in Utah? And that's an incredible story right there. But then that choir, and you're part of the choir and the best people in that choir. But the thing of it is, is I have been very blessed indeed to have that choir that, and they actually were the LDS gospel for a moment, mm -hmm. you know, playing yeah, for the, in, they were, if you don't know who they are, Stephen, I think they would make excellent guests. The oh yeah. Genesis ward you know which is an lds ward the genesis group they were the choir for genesis and then they kind of got bigger and more notoriety and so then they were encouraged to just kind of go out and be independent you know and share their message and share the word and so that's kind of when my husband and i connected right then when they started we, we even went on tour to uh, byu idaho once but they perform oh, everywhere yeah. you know they perform for like president nelson's birthday they do oh yeah all right kinds of things everywhere they would be fascinating guests to have to put it on our list so okay. yeah right. the, good old, the good old bonner family yeah so, yep. so I, I i've had them here and uh and, and like we mentioned before the osmonds okay so check this out so i hadn't really done video production for the osmonds too much it was pretty much audio so meryl he's this is what happened meryl felt like that god was telling him to just dedicate his life to him and just bag the career so Merrill told me, he says, I'm going to do my last show in America. He says, that's it. He says, I'm just going to do what the Lord wants me to do. And so he did his last show in America in Vegas. And I says, do you have anyone videotaping that show? And he said, no, I don't. He says, can I do it? <laughs> so I went down there and I videotaped the whole show and I, and, I, and I got the audio tracks and mixed it and everything. And so, and I thought it was a great production. If you guys want to see it, it's like the whole Meryl Osmond concert. And then the wildest thing happened. See, Meryl Osmond was the original lead singer of the Osmonds. 
until Donnie came along. And then it was like, who's going to get the lead part? And so they kind of had to, sh- he kind of had to share that with Donnie all these years. And so um, Meryl's up there and I'm going to cry telling this story. <laughs> okay. Mm. It brought the whole audience to tears. Oh, just thinking about it. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> but this wasn't planned. And so Meryl says, hey, Donnie might be there. So Donnie was... <laughs> anyway, Donnie was in the audience, came up on stage, and they had a little duel and did their little thing. And then, and then Donnie says, "I want to stay up here. This is like amazing. I, I want, I want to just be up here. You singing this, this song, you know." And this, and the song was, you know, hard to say goodbye. <laughs> here I go. So, and while he was singing, Donnie came over and was hugging him. <laughs> Anyway, the whole audience was in tears. Anyway, so I have <laughs> anyway I have that video, but it's just hard to even talk about it without you wow. know breaking down. Anyway, so <laughs> that's the end of an era, and that's yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness! No, I'm glad you told that story because my husband from the other room just texted me, asked Gainer about Meryl's last concert, and I didn't know what. That oh was. yeah, now yeah, and so. And so now, powerful. yeah, so now he went, so, so yeah, so that concert's all, all, all out there, the DVDs, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to see if we can't put it out there so everyone can see it. But um, um, Merrill just finished his, so he went, he did his last concert and that Vegas place was the place where they met Elvis. And, and, and Merrill's telling me, and I have him videotaped, telling the story of how Elvis was there at his concert and everything. And that's where it happened, where he, they would perform, Elvis would perform. And then when they would go back there, they would get a bouquet of flowers from Elvis. And that's where Olive gave Elvis a Book of Mormon. So they got to know Elvis pretty good. So Elvis, so um, uh, Elvis did eight years there. Osmond would perform there. So now Merrill went to UK to finish up tours there. Now he's been called as a mission uh, as a missionary. So he and his wife are going to Washington, D.C. So it's just kind of wild. That, did you <laughs> ever meet Elvis? Or was that a little, slightly before your... Yeah, that was yeah, that was a little bit before my that time. That would have been before when you were doing this. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But but they but they but you know Merrill has the Book of Mormon where Elvis marked in it, so this would be great for my daughter, you know, and and it's funny because a lot of people like it's so so funny because I'm I'm in this I'm in the Sunday school class and I'm telling them yeah you know Elvis was reading the Book of Mormon he even marked it like oh yeah yeah right yeah I can't believe you're saying that yeah really and it's not not only the kids but the adults were going yeah but what a bunch of baloney <laughs> <laughs> and it's like no, no. Ollie was friends with Elvis, and they talked. They talked about the uh, they talked about the church and everything. And and uh, Elvis was very fascinated by the Book of Mormon. And uh, I think that Ollie uh, uh, turned that Book of Mormon into, uh, or Merrill donated it to the church. So I think it's up there in the archives of the church. But uh, yeah, have it because I know that's sometimes considered like Mormon folklore. You know, there's yeah. so many right. little stories like that. Yeah. But now you're telling us. You're actually giving us the the chain of how that actually happened. It was right. it was Olive. It was the mother, and she yeah. was friends with Elvis, and they would talk, and then she passed that on. That's incredible. Yeah, that is, yeah, that is like that's major Mormon folklore. I just assumed it was folklore. Now we get yeah. to hear it from the horse's mouth that no, folks, there's something to this story, and that not only that Elvis apparently engaged this the Book of Mormon, but he also talked with people about with Merrill. Yeah. And that's pretty remarkable. That's that's quite a something thing. else. I have a friend that has been in communication with Elvis's brother, and Elvis's brother says yes. Elvis had the Book of Mormon on his nightstand. He was reading it. Did because again, I thought that was folklore. <laughs> that's incredible. I know. And and he told Olive that he thought, and I'm guessing he's Lisa Marie, that she might benefit from it. Is that what? He yeah, was? yeah. He wanted. He, he put notes in there. Says you know, this is something that you should read. That, benefits you but yeah that's pretty cool goodness <laughs> uh, i i i i uh, Re- rebecca i'm very rarely a man without words this is absolutely freaking incredible i think this is so awesome that we're having this conversation gator i'm just gonna let you talk say something else <laughs> hope you're not say things somewhere else in your house whatever you would know <laughs> <laughs> I know. Again, like, you know, Steve, you have to save some for your next episode because oh, yeah. you know, the <laughs> side is one facet, but then 
everything else he's involved in as far as history is is just incredible so there's so much oh my goodness oh my goodness (laughs) well there's a whole lot there's a whole whole lot more on the elvis thing you know with the book and one there's a lot more that i'm not going into right now but uh, (laughs) we could do an episode of elvis and the book of mormon hey (laughs) the book of mormon i can't want to do that that's a that's why don't we why don't we videotape that book of mormon why don't why don't I get permission to go up there and videotape it? Yes, let's do that. Is it is Did it we do in that? archives right now? Yeah. So it, basically, they gave it to the church, and the church has it somewhere. But Merrill could get it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Get an image, tape it. We could post it. We could do like a oh special Elvis okay. Presley's by yeah. uh, Book of Mormon. Oh my yeah. goodness, this is really. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. This sounds okay. great. Oh man, I'll tell you, I, Rebecca, uh, you having a lot of fun uh, here? You having a blast? I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, I am too. I, I have fun with every guest we ever have on, but this, this is, I'm just, I'm like flabbergasted at almost every, I'm kind of, <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, wow. I, I guess, I guess really, I mean, obviously we could sit here and tell a lot more stories, but I guess, and, and, and again, Rebecca, if you have any more questions too, let's, let's, let's follow up on that too. But I, I kind of want to, I guess. I don't want to ask us a specific question. I just want you to tell us another story. Uh, tell us about, a story about anything, just something random that would be that you think people would find uh, an interesting story in your life. Just tell us a story. Well, I mean, I have I have tons of stories. I'm always. I'm All always... right, Rebecca, ask him a specific question about a story. <laughs> That's right, a specific story. Well, I just love it because I'm looking at you, going, "What is in that brain?" I mean, you know, and, and one story will lead you to another, which will lead you to oh. another. It's just incredible. So are there any um, notable artists um, that you haven't mentioned that you can think of that we would go, oh, my good. I mean, you covered so many. Well, um, yeah, there's 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 a bunch. We had we've just had incredible moments of different people. I mean, uh, this is kind of an interest. It's, you know, I just popped in my head. So uh, L.A. First Ward is, is where we're going. To, and Jimmy came down and we were we were on the way back. It was on a Sunday. It was there next to the temple, and then we were driving, and uh, we were going past Mrs. Gooch's, a health food store in uh, Studio City, North Hollywood. And I see uh, Eddie Van Halen, Valerie Burton, and Ellie pull, pull in, driving their Lamborghini truck. And uh, so, you know, people people didn't know he drove a Lamborghini truck. People don't even know there's land, such thing as Lamborghini truck. So, but I saw the Lamborghini truck. Who's getting out of that? And Eddie got out, and Valerie got it. So we go into the Gooch's, and we say, Jimmy, listen, let's go talk to Eddie Van Halen. And so Austin? Jimmy goes, huh? Jimmy yeah, Jimmy Osmond. Jimmy Osmond. Okay. And because he knows you and everything. And he says, well, you, you guys go ahead. <laughs> so my brother Arden and I went over there and talked to Eddie. And he says, Eddie, man, hey, we have a studio in Hollywood. Da, 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 and we'd like to know if you want to record whatever. He says, well, I'm fine. He says, I'm, I'm, I, I'm pretty uh, uh, you know, comfortable with my studio. So he says, we'd like to check out your studio. He says, okay, you want to? So he's, he says, yeah, what's your number? So we didn't have anything to write it down on. So he goes, okay, you remember the first three digits and you remember the first last four digits. So he gave us his number. So we went over there to his studio and he gave us a tour and he said he would play on our album. <laughs> if we played on his. So I'll tell you what, you, you got, if you guys play on my album, I'll play on yours. <laughs> It's like, great, what can we do for you? <laughs> anyway, happen? so what was that? Did it happen? Did well, we were still working on our project and we went through some more deals, business deals, all that kind of stuff. And they just kind of, you know, blew over. But anyway. But so he that's was willing. The, that's the point. He was willing and he invited yeah. you over. So that's, that's right. That's pretty good. So, yeah. <laughs> that is really, really great. I have to say this has been one of our more entertaining episodes. Oh. I found you, I found you to be an endlessly fascinating person. And uh, we were just going to do a little special episode with you today. I think, uh, but I think Rebecca, I'm going to have him back on for Mormon book reviews. We're going to talk about history stuff, but I have a feeling that we have a gold mine here and uh, of somebody who has interesting stories to tell that I, that where we could even just stick on one subject. So, so Gainer, I just want to let you know, we, uh, we hope to have you on more than, uh, more than a handful of times, if you don't mind. Well, that'd be great. I think, I think we need to follow up and do an episode completely on the Elvis Book of Mormon. Yep. You know oh, what man. I mean? Trying yeah. to find that, trying to talk, trying to pull in some other elements because that's a very misunderstood um, story, I think. Yeah, and there is there is a there is a, there is a lot more on that story. Yeah. But if you want to, I can get. Uh, I mean, we ought to we 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 should get Merrill Osmond to tap in. You know what I mean? Sure. Have him come and on, absolutely. 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 So, yeah, let me know if, if you want that, and I'll get Mer- I'll get Meryl Osmond on board. 
All right. And, and uh, tap him in the interview here. Okay, so, so <laughs> this is great. You know, you talk about the Book of Mormon. You know, this is a show where I'm an evangelical and I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the Book of Mormon. Um, cool. And I tell people I'm a product of the Restoration. Um, and I've oh. told my story already where Mormonism saved my life. And uh, Mormonism really? means a lot to me, yeah. And uh, and so, Gator, I just wanted you to maybe share with the audience what your faith means to you. Okay, so um, <laughs> but what's my problem? <laughs> okay. Anyway. When you come on Steve's show, you always need Kleenex. We need to remind guests of that. <laughs> Well, I hand you one, but it's. <laughs> I know where is it? Hey, hand it to me. So, uh, when when uh, when my brother went on a mission, my oldest brother, um, I don't think he was really going to be picking up the trumpet when he got off his mission. But we would we would play our trumpets uh, at the airport each time one of us got off the plane, and it was like a you know, of course you couldn't do that today, but you know, just like it would just be like this. Like, what's going on? As a matter of fact, Charlene Wills, who was a, a Miss America, we're actually uh, in her book as one of her most embarrassing moments because we played for her as she was getting off the plane <laughs> and drew all this attention and she just wasn't all done up and everything. Anyway, so uh, so my brother gets off the plane and he was really dedicated on his mission and he just wasn't going to, he wasn't sure about the trouble. He gets off his plane and he says, you know what, this is what I'm supposed to do, missionary work. And so we've always had this thing to do missionary work with our trumpets and we could uh with we we have a, a version of um of uh shoot what is that uh boy it, it's it's why did it why did i just skip my brain um Sorry. it's uh uh, come, come, you saints. Oh, okay. We would play. We would play that at the end of our show. You know, that's totally pioneer heritage and everything, and just a cappella. Come, come, you saints. We would. We would end off with that. With that song. And um, I hope you guys don't mind me saying this, but when my mom passed away, I might be getting off on a tangent. You might want to edit this out. But uh, this might. This kind of getting a little, <clears throat> you know, uh, shady here. But they wouldn't let us play our trumpets at my mom's funeral at the chapel because they says trumpets are not reverent and uh, it's something that you shouldn't be you know, doing. Even though the manual says that, that you have the decision to make, you know, it's up to the discretion of the bishop. Well, the bishop says, I feel impressed that you're not supposed to be playing your trumpets. And my brother says, well, that impression is not from God. And he disagreed with him. And he says, well, you know, the stake president is gonna, agrees with me. And so uh, he says, well, he's not, speaking by that same spirit either it is not of god and so my brother contacted president monson <laughs> president monson's office and president monson gave us permission to play our trumpets at our mom's funeral come come you saints wow well now we're all crying someone has to talk <laughs> oh no, Gator, that, I, I really oh my goodness Gator. No, and I understand, you know, the handbook and the rules, it's changed now where they realize that, you know, all instruments can make a joyful noise. So I do understand that story there. there when Tom's mother passed away, um, he wanted to have the gospel choir come and sing there. And it was oh. a little bit of the Deborah Bonner gospel choir. It oh. was a little bit of a, a fight oh, wow. to get them to understand you know, because you just, oh, you can't have a gospel choir. You can't have a trumpet, you know, if you don't really understand the spirit of what's happening. So, right. so we were able to do it. But to hear that, that President Monson had the vision, <laughs> what it meant and who you were and what it meant to your family. That's, that's absolutely incredible. Can I, can I, can I just tell you really quick how President Monson heard his play? This yeah. is so busy Kessler. Sorry about this. Um, BZ Castle was president of Mountain Fuel in Salt Lake City. And he was he was just a real fan of ours. And we were performing and we went over to his office just to say hi. And he goes, You guys got your trumpets? I want you to come in and play for everybody. So we played for everyone. And like I say, he was the chairman of the board of Mountain Fuel. And he goes, Hey, there's a board meeting I want you guys to play at. He goes, Here, just follow me. So we followed him through the back, went through an alley. 
went through the building behind him and he goes, hold on right here. So we're kind of st standing on these stairs. He went in the board meeting. He got permission. Now this guy's not a member of the church. Uh, 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 he was a lot cook that I think, no, no, it wasn't a lot cook. I forgot his name, but he wasn't a member of the church. So he had us go to this board meeting. And so he goes, okay, you guys here, you guys can play for this board meeting. So we go in there and we set up our speakers and we get all ready and turn around and there's President Hinckley, Thomas S. Monson, David B. Hay, the president of Bonneville. It was the Bonneville board meeting with the leaders of the church. And it was BZ, it was BZ Castler, the chairman of Warren Mountfield, non-member that had his play. And then when we got done playing, President Monson says, why, let's forget the meeting. This, is, this, this makes me happy. This makes me feel good. Why should we continue this meeting? Anyway, and then President Hinckley introduced us to the rest of me. But I just thought that was pretty wild. But it was a non-member of the church that got us to play <laughs> for wow you know this is great wow <laughs> this this was a powerful episode and and a really a remarkable story that you have to tell and, and thank you for sharing your faith because this channel is all oh. about people telling their stories and you know we're not just here to talk about entertainment and books but we're also here to talk about people and their faith <laughs> journey and uh we want to thank you so much for coming on the program today you're, you're an awesome dude. Well, you know what? You guys are amazing. I, I mean, Tom was saying, hey, Gainer, this would be a great show for you to be on. It's like, you mean people want to hear some of my stories? <laughs> but, you know, thank, thank you guys so much for what you're doing and for doing this. That's that's incredible. So thank you for giving me a chance to, to you know, take over. Well, not the end. <laughs> I think I can think of like five more episodes we could do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is only the beginning. I yes, think. Yes, yeah, I, really I agree. Appreciate. So stay tuned, folks. Rebecca, did you have any final word, any final question for Gainer? No, I just, this has been just amazing. I don't know how we're going to write the description of this when you post it because there's like 200 million amazing hooks that we can give. So I just, you know, make sure that we put all the links in there. And I would say to everybody, let, look forward to seeing Gainer again because. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. To be well, well, folks, I just want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We had a blast, and I hope that you and the audience also had a blast. I'd love for you to leave in the comments to maybe give you your reactions to some of Gator's story, stories. Um, what a remarkable journey he's been on. And uh, what a remarkable journey we're all on. And I'm glad to share it with my audience, uh, my story that I've told. And uh, Gainer, thank you so much for coming on. I just want to remind you all, that there will be links in the description if you'd like to support the channel on both PayPal and Patreon. Don't forget our merch store, mormonbookreviews.com. And there's the mug, got the mug there, got the hats, all the good stuff. Support us with the merch. We, and I just want to thank all my financial supporters for you do. Couldn't do it without you. And just remember, folks, all the voices of the restoration will be heard here on Mormon Book Reviews.